So at this point in our service, we normally hear reflections on those passages, and Matthew's going to come and give us those this morning as the first of a series looking at vision. So before he comes, let's just pray for him that he may have the words and we may have the ears to hear. Heavenly Father, we give thanks that through your word, the Bible, we have much to learn, but more than that, that it is something that gives us life and inspires us, not just to come closer to you, but also to understand your purposes for our lives. So we pray for Matthew this morning that you will give him, by your Holy Spirit, the words that you want him to speak, and we pray that you will open our hearts and our minds, as well as our ears, to listen to what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Um, that's working good. Um, can I add my welcome to, to Linda's? I'm very loud. And, um, and just say it's great to see so many of you here and looking so colourful, echoing the sunshine that we see around us. Um, and it's great to welcome you if you're listening again, um, because some people can't be with us this morning, but they'll listen to the podcasts after this service um, in the car or on the way to work or in their home. So um, you're not forgotten. We're very much thinking of you as well as part of our service this morning. We're, we're really excited this morning. We're starting a new series on vision as, as a church family. Um, and, and I'm really excited to start this process, having prayed about it for, for a long time now. I want it to be a real time where we come together as, as a whole church and say, this is our heart. This is our heart for Camborne Church. This is where we believe, together as the body of Christ in this place, um, we feel we're going as a church. And we're going to use several ways to think about this whole area of vision and mission in church life. We're going to use the Sunday series through, um, through June, but also the small groups are going to be exploring um, a, a vision course um, in their own time over the summer term. And if you'd like to join a small group just for four weeks, then there's an insert um, in, this, in this week's notice sheet uh, with the details of all the small group leaders, um, and you can contact them directly. So even if you can't commit to the long term to being part of a small group for a longer period of time, can I encourage you, just for this four-week block, um, which will start at different times, so they might not all start this week, just contact the group leader on the day that works for you and just say, I'd like to join you for four weeks, and I'm sure you'll find a very warm welcome. Also, if you literally cannot get to small group studies um, uh, um, over the course of the next couple of months, we will be putting the small group materials online on our website um, so that you can share in those week by week what people will be seeing in the small groups. So watch the website for details of those um, because they'll help you think about this in a lot more detail. You know, just as a small tangent, but a relevant one, the passage from Mark is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it reminds us that however small we feel our contribution is, that actually it, it, God can take it and multiply it out so that the smallest thing becomes the most significant. And, and that's a thread which I hope we find through our, through our discernment together. And finally, keep praying. 
The reason we gave out that prayer for vision card before we started this series of reflections is very much so that we're found in this whole process um, in God, in Christ, that we're holding this process before him because God has a vision already. Our task is to discern what it is. Our task is not to produce a vision which is ours. It's to find out that vision which, which is God's. So as we think about vision, we're intensely aware that we're not a remote, disconnected island, that we're part of an integrated community here in Cambon, and have always been so. And that's what makes the Cambon community so exciting to be a part of. Camborne Church, a heartbeat for Christ, itself a growing presence in a community that still grows today. Camborne Church is an unfinished work. Camborne as a physical place to live and share community and life together is an unfinished work. And the Camborne story is one of significance not just for us who live here and enjoy being a part of it, but for other planned communities too. Only the other week a group um, of people came from Houghton Regis. Um, I'm not going to do the pronunciation of Houghton Regis, but I understand there there is a pronunciation of Houghton Regis, which doesn't involve the H. Um, But they came here and they were able to share some time with some key members of of the church community who told them of our history and of what God has done over the course of our life together. And they're now taking that away and they're letting that inform how how that new development in Houghton Regis takes shape. And so you begin to realise that what God has started here is having um, an impact and an influence and a significance far beyond um, the borders of Camborne. And my reading of local history tells me that Camborne has, um, has been on the cards since the late 1980s. Planning consent for this group of free villages, which we are part of, was given in 1994. And 20 years later, you and I are part of a community that has grown and welcomed people from all over the UK and, in fact, all over the world. There's this wonderful sense that everyone here is new, um, that, that there's no one who can claim, oh, I'm, I'm a local because, you know, my parents were born here and my grandparents were born here and we can date ourselves back generations. We're, we're all, if you like, immigrants here, <laughs> which brings a whole fascinating perspective um, to, to certain political debates that are happening and, and, for me, creates a very special dynamic here. The first residents arrived in 1999, and I think we have several people in our church family who were, were part of those first uh, residents or settlers, as did the first minister and the first group of Christians, some of whom are still part of our church family today. For your sake, I won't name who you are, unless I don't know all of you. <laughs> um, and, and the journey started... Um, I read and I hear in a waiting room as a small group of people who just wanted to worship Christ in in this new context, in this new community, Uh, and then grew from building to building as as we moved as a church from, I've got to get this right now, Ark to Hub to the building we sit in here today, God multiplying out the number of people gathering to worship him all the time. It's been an exciting journey which has told the story of God's big love in Camborne. 
And there have been recurring threads which underpin our life together over the last 14 years. Threads such as a God who provides the right people at the right time. Threads like uh, dependence on God in prayer. And when we move away from that dependence on God in prayer, we find ourselves instinctively being being called back. And if you speak to people who have been here over that 14 years, they will remind you that there have been times when they thought that there was an obvious pathway, but actually God challenged them to come back to him in prayer. And certain points where, where we have tried um, to increasingly integrate ourselves into the community which we've been a part of from the outset. A community here in Camborne with Jesus Christ at its centre. And so we go back to the passage from Mark. Again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we describe it? Shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. And Camborne is increasing all the time. And whatever your perspective on, on the further development of Camborne, and I know within the church family we'll have different perspectives on that, and I don't want to get into which is right and which is wrong, because I don't actually think there is a right and a wrong, really. It's, it's your perspective. Um, but the reality is that Camborne is expanding all the time, and, and how we respond to that as the body of Christ in this place is, is really important, and I hope becomes part of lively discussion as we go through this vision exercise together. And in all of this, in all of this growing community, this mustard seed blossoming into what Camborne is today and what it shall be in the future, we offer all that God has done back to God so that the glory is his and doesn't become ours. Because this church, this community, is God's big love story for Camborne. And so it's right that, informed and living the values and vision we have had, we look to the future, gaze at the horizon, and discern where God is calling us to be as his disciples in the next chapter of our life together. And in this, we must as individuals and a church keep our eyes on Jesus, that author and perfecter of our faith. Because can I, can I share with you, my friends, that that I know, and I know so many of you will share this, this view, I don't want to lead a satisfied church because a satisfied church is a dangerous place to be, my friends. Because satisfaction so often leads on to indulgence and when feelings of satisfaction enter our life, we take our eyes off Christ, the source and summit of our, of our existence, and we fix them on ourselves. So I want with you this morning to, to go through the story of David a bit and to illustrate, uh, using the diagram that you'll see behind me, um, how, how we need um, to approach um, our life together. Because there are lessons in the life of David which can powerfully shape how we approach being church. 
David, of course, was one of the great giants of, of Scripture, um, seen as, as a godly man. Um, and, and as I speak about David, what I want you to be doing in your minds is thinking about how, how our life as a church um, can be seen through these various stages. Nearly always in church life, we start in survival mood, mode. And by the way, survival mode being a really positive place to be. I'm not equating survival with maintenance or just keeping going. Um, survival being quite a positive place to be. It's a place of dependence. It's a place where we acknowledge that, that we are part of God's church and that we are dependent on God for our life together. And we see this with David in the scriptures, called to be king of Israel, anointed by Samuel in Bethlehem. Then came survival for David. He was running away from Saul, who was trying to kill him. And this phase is hard because it forces us to be increasingly dependent on God to, 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 to help us discern our vision um, as a church. Then after a while on this cycle, you get to success mode. David finally became king and Saul died. And then the thing that follows success is significance. People started coming from everywhere to see David as his reputation increased and spread out. Israel expanded its borders and people marveled at David's victories both in war and, and in the sense of his wealth and his power and might. But soon after significance comes self-satisfaction. David got to the point of looking at the kingdom he had built and his judgment became clouded as his eyes went inward. Then it's a quick step from self-satisfaction to self-indulgence. For David in the spring, instead of going to war, he encountered Bathsheba. From self-indulgence, the circle continues to self-deception. David knows Bathsheba was married and yet he commits adultery with her because he perceives that the rules don't apply to him. Finally, self-destruction. In David's case, Nathan the prophet came and David realized what he had done. And so we have Psalm 51. And at this point, you have two options as you get to this stage of the cycle. You either implode and we burn out and we destroy ourselves and we destroy the communities that we're a part of, or, 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 or David repents um, and changes. And by God's grace, the cycle goes back to that place of survival and of dependence. And friends, I'm not saying that we're satisfied, uh, but as we enter this season of exploring vision, we have to keep ourselves in mind, body, and soul in that place of survival where we attempt to tune ourselves in to the vision that God already has for us. God is Alpha and Omega, first and last. He is the source of our life and the vision for our future. Yet by his grace, we get to be agents of his kingdom, not builders of our own kingdoms. And it's vital and it's important and it's right that as we start this exciting process of vision, we keep this sort of cycle in mind, aware of the potential dangers that lie ahead of us. Because as we start to discern and tune in increasingly to what God has in store for us as a church family, 
So the devil will start to try and bring destruction to that process. And that's why this cycle is really important to keep in mind. In Romans chapter 3, the tone is quite stark. Paul describes the reality of a world which is not looking to God and how it impacts on people's thoughts, words and actions. Paul echoes the language of the psalmist where in Psalm 14 uh, we read the following words. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away, all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. It's stark, gritty stuff, isn't it? It hits you in the face. It's not a flowery image. It's not the flowers in the field or or the birds of the air. It, it, It arrests you almost. But the intent of Paul and the psalmist is that people should not be left in this wilderness state, but know the abundant life that can be found in God. Sometimes the challenge to us needs to be direct enough that we we are arrested in, in our souls and in our minds, and we know that we have to turn back to God and go back into that place of survival and dependence. The language of sin and wrongdoing is is perhaps understood, especially in the modern day, to be judgmental language. But there, there are other words that we can use that perhaps illustrate it better. If we see the image of the life that Paul illustrates as being broken and as God um, offering through the church healing, we begin to access God's heart, God's intent for the healing and salvation for the Jewish and Gentile communities that Paul is writing about. And so I'm really excited to be journeying with you through the vision course and as a person who struggles with patience I can't wait to hear your thoughts and your feedback your insights dreams and perspective where does vision start for us as followers of Jesus well it starts and ends with the cross of Christ that one place where love grace and mercy meet and deal with the wilderness as Paul and the psalmist paint it to be. And my friends, it deals with the contemporary wilderness we see around us too. And in fact, part of your first small group session to give you a slight teaser um, and remember what I said about joining small groups if you're not part of one, will be to consider whether the world as we see around us is a spiritual wilderness or a promised land. But friends, it all starts with the cross. The cross where God dealt with the brokenness of the world for all time and offered us a way to life as his people. The cross of Christ is the answer to the spiritual wilderness that exists around us. And here's the challenging thing and the reason why this vision exercise is so important. The revelation of the reality and the purpose of the cross of Christ is played out in how we live as Christians and live as the church in this place. The cross reminds us that as his church, as this church here in Camborne, this body of people who seek to follow Christ, that we were bought at an immense cost for an indescribable opportunity. Let me say that again. 
that as Camborne Church, we were bought through the cross of Christ at an immense cost for an indescribable opportunity to be agents of God's kingdom here in Camborne. Vision comes from the cross. It starts there and it stays there. And what we are doing throughout this season is working out this story of God's big love afresh, resourced and informed by everything that has happened in the journey so far and taking our values into the process, but working out through prayer and listening to God what God's plan is for the next chapter of our lives. As I said at the beginning, it's not about generating our own vision. It's about tuning in and discerning the vision and the purpose that God already has. This is about discovering God's plan A for Camborne. There will be no plan B. Amen. Should we just pray for a moment and offer this season to God? Father, we come to you with hearts and minds and souls open, with our spirits excited about the possibilities of discerning your plan and purpose for the next chapter of our life together. And so we pray, uncloud our minds and give us clear vision. Tune our hearts and our souls into your spirit. And give us that revelation of the vision which you already have for this place. That we may see the expansion of your kingdom and the good news of your saving love unleashed here in Camborne still further. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.